You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Osaka, climate zeitgeist reporter for The Washington Post, and welcome to Washington Post Live. Today, it is well over 100 degrees in Tucson, Arizona, and we are. my guest is going to tell us all about how she has been leading her city through this historic heat wave. Mayor Regina Romero, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shannon, and happy to be here and have a great conversation with you. Well, let's get started. I mean, today Tucson is, I believe, the fourth hottest city in the country. What programs are in place to help residents stay cool? Uh, well, it's it's a sh- both a short-term and a long-term approach to climate action and resiliency, and being um, the first mayor of Tucson really to focus, to have a deliberate and uh, focused approach to climate action. Uh, we've been able to move fast and furiously in the in the past three years. And long-term approach is uh, really following a climate action um, and adaptation plan that we put together in record time with incredible community input. Uh, from that climate action plan, we've been able to distill an implementation plan. And thanks to President Biden and our congressional delegation and those in Congress that voted for the American Rescue Plan Act, that voted for the bipartisan infrastructure law, for the Inflation Reduction Act, cities like Tucson are and can lead on climate action and adaptation. And so um, the long-term approach is really to diminish greenhouse gas emission. And thanks to the Federal Transit Administration and the uh, bipartisan um, infrastructure law, the city of Tucson has received $48 million, almost $50 million, uh, to change our entire transit fleet uh, to zero to low emissions. So the city of Tucson has the largest uh, electric bus fleet in the entire United States. And by 2025, we will have a a decarbonized fleet in the city of Tucson. That's long-term. Short-term is making sure that we are providing the necessary services to our community. From infants to seniors to the unsheltered, uh, we have been instituting cooling centers in the city of Tucson making sure that we're partnering with Pima County on their library systems. The city of Tucson has recreation centers, senior centers, um, and uh, being able to provide free transit services uh, to seniors and anyone that needs uh, a ride to a library or a recreation center for children. We're partnering with our school districts to provide um, from 7 in the morning to 6 p.m. recreation services that parents can take their children in. To the unsheltered, we're partnering with the Salvation Army and other nonprofit organizations to provide cooling centers for the unsheltered uh, that are low barrier centers. Uh, Free showers uh, that we're partnering with other organizations. We have free pools, free splash pads, 
Um, and long-term, adding to that long-term approach, um, my goal is to plant a million trees by 2030. That's a nature-based solution, but we have to pair that nature-based solution with long-term solutions. So diminishing greenhouse gases and go gobbling up greenhouse gases with our million trees initiative. So in the last three and a half years, um, this particular mayor and council have done incredible work uh, to uh, mitigate heat and prepare ourselves for the future. That's great. And it's great to get that overview of the mitigation actions that you're taking for the future, as well as sort of the adaptation actions for right now and trying to protect um, city residents now. I want to ask you a little bit more about, you talked about those cooling centers and the deputy city manager has said, the next step after the cooling centers is to create climate resilience hubs. Can you talk a bit more about what those hubs would look like, where they would be housed and what kind of services they can provide? Heat is um, one of the worst hazards um, when it comes to climate change. And um, I've always said it for many years that climate change is not just an environmental issue, it is a public health issue. And so we have to realize that um, even though City of Tucson and other cities throughout the country are leading on climate adaptation and climate action, that if the world doesn't act immediately, we will continue to see heat waves and um, events throughout the world uh, that will affect not just infrastructure, uh, but lives. And so, um, I am calling on the on the federal government, on OSHA to uh, to institutionalize um, equitable rules for outside mm -hmm. workers, because as as we all know, the front line of climate change are the most vulnerable amongst us. So that's children, seniors, low income community, communities of color, outside workers, and the unsheltered. And so we've got to be able uh, to mitigate, but also prepare for resiliency and the possibility of this being the new normal. So um, uh, resilience hubs are basically um, cooling centers, but that can sustain themselves with solar energy and batteries. And mm -hmm. we've got to be able to plan for heat events uh, where we can invite the most vulnerable that do not have access to air conditioning uh, that need to be monitored, uh, to be able to have centers throughout the city of Tucson that can sustain themselves in case of an electric catastrophe. So uh, that is my new focus in terms of where we go as a city in terms of climate mitigation and climate adaptation. And in the meantime, we have to create cooling corridors and, and we use a lot of science behind this, a lot of data behind the decisions that we're making as a city. Um, the most vulnerable communities, um, 
and is no surprise live in the lowest income areas of our city. This is where we have the highest um, heat island effects in our city. And so we've got to be able to create cooling corridors in the areas of our city where we see the most heat island effect. And we're starting to do that. We have a map that we follow based on heat island and the heat mm -hmm. island map coincides with our low income map. And so yeah. we're, we're focusing yeah. on, on, on equity on top of, of the science that we need to do. And we're partnering with nonprofit organizations like Trees for Tucson uh, and for-profit companies that are helping fund the purchasing of trees as well. So um, lots of layering in, in our methods. I'm so glad you brought up that question of equity because we know that, you know, low income and minority communities are much higher at risk for extreme heat. They're living, as you say, in these urban heat islands. So it's great to hear that you're trying to really focus those resources in particular areas that need the most help. One question I had was, you know, we had a climate writer, Jeff Goodell, on Post Live earlier this week. He's just written a book about heat and the dangers of it that I think is really helping people kind of come to terms with this issue. But as a mayor, I mean, how do you think about the challenges of communicating the dangers of heat? It's not something that people are necessarily really aware of. Yes, as a matter of fact, when I first ran in 2019, um, you know, I, I got one of my major planks as a candidate was to act bold and furiously in terms of climate action and, and climate adaptation. And some people actually would, um, would question why that was a priority. And um, we have known for many years and there has been research that uh, climate change is happening, uh, that it is caused by humans and that um, it's going to get worse if we don't do something about it. And so uh, I have been um, for many years, even before that, I, I work for a nonprofit organization, um, the Center for Biological Diversity, of, to basically engage and engage Latinos and communities of color in talking about how you are personally um, really you're you're touched, right? Everybody is uh, is feeling the effects. It's tangible for mm -hmm. communities to feel them. So, I would talk about climate change not just as horrible for our environment, uh, horrible for our uh, biological diversity, uh, but horrible for human beings. And so we've got to be able to talk about climate change as to how it affects individuals. And uh, there's health effects to climate change. We see that uh, children that live in areas um, of uh, urban uh, heat uh, suffer more from asthma. Seniors are more and more feeling the effects of heat exhaustion. Here in Arizona, we are seeing uh, people that work outside land in the hospital because of heat. Uh, people are paying more for their electric utilities because of heat. Um, it is affecting everyone. 
And uh, so it is about personalizing and educating people how climate change is affecting everything from our health uh, to our infrastructure, to the possibility of even um, service delivery. Um, those workers that are building our infrastructure and providing our trash services and park services um, are feeling the effects of climate change and we're seeing more and more heat exhaustion. And, and so that's how we, that's how we educate our community. Uh, cities um, and elected officials and counties uh, and states can um, educate communities about what climate change means to them. Yeah, I think we've seen really powerful changes in terms of people seeing climate change as this faraway thing that's happening to polar bears to now really understanding its effects on individual people and families. I mean, when it comes to kind of some of those heat strategies, I mean, I was recently in Phoenix and I know they've named a chief heat officer. I've also heard of other cities um, working on projects like naming heat waves to try to get attention to it that way. I mean, what do you think of those kinds of efforts? I love them. I love them. We have to do it, especially here in Arizona. Um, both Phoenix and Tucson are some of the fastest warming cities in the nation. Uh, talking about the tangible effects of, of climate change here in Arizona and throughout the Southwest, we are living through a 22-year drought, and it is affecting um, the capacity to be able to deliver uh, water to cities. Here in Tucson, we have been preparing for decades um, and becoming a much more water resilient city. We are prepared. We're one of the cities in uh, the country that is recognized for, um, for the work that we have done in terms of being prepared and using less and less water, for example. Um, having 250,000 more people in Tucson, we are using the same amount of water that we did in the 80s. Mm. But this has this has been decades of educating our water users here in Tucson uh, and sending conservation signals so that they can use less and less. And this is part of the education uh, piece. We're doing the same thing with climate action and climate adaptation. The first mm -hmm. thing that I wanted to do as a mayor was declare a climate emergency. And we took mm -hmm. our time with the climate emergency. We, we passed it in September of 2020 because I wanted that climate emergency not to just be words on paper. I wanted to be the beginning of an action plan. And, and we described in our climate emergency what we were going to do in every single department of our city. Uh, we called out uh, the uh, the importance of having a strategy for climate action and mitigation we built uh, with the help of the community, the Tucson Resilient Together, that is our climate action plan in record uh, time. In 14 months, we did um, thousands of hours of community outreach and surveys uh, to make sure that we were hearing the voice of Tucsonans. We were very deliberate about working with uh, vulnerable communities. Um, and 
we passed our climate action plan. We now have an Im implementation plan. And now it's time to hire our climate resilience officer. So uh, serendipitous today, we are interviewing uh, candidates for a climate resilience officer in the city of Tucson. And that climate resilience officer will lead a team or climate action team of other departments uh, and possibly hire other individuals to help us make sure that we're institutionalizing and moving on the implementation plan. And then of course, uh, making sure that we are applying for federal grants that were made available by President Biden and our congressional delegation through the Inflation Reduction Act. So we, the city of Tucson, we are prepared we have our climate action hand in hand we have our implementation plan hopefully soon we have we will have a, a resilience officer for the city of tucson we have advisory boards and we're ready uh, to apply for federal funds uh, to make sure that we bring dollars home to implement um, our climate action plan that's so great to hear. And I want to dig into that action plan a little bit more. I mean, it's always challenging because, you know, climate action happens at every level of government, right? It happens at the local level. It happens at the state level. And obviously, we're talking about the federal level as well. I mean, in terms of that transportation side of the plan that you were talking about, what are you most excited about? And what do you see as like a mayor's capability to really pull those levers? Well, first and most importantly, I am blessed that I am a mayor during a time that we have uh, a president like President Biden, um, that I have federal partners in our congressional delegation, uh, Congressman Raul Grijalva, who serves as the chair or the ranking member now of the Natural Resources Committee, has been a mentor of mine. I have a great relationship with our senators, both Senator Kelly and Cinema. Um, and it's like to say, right, the saying is, uh, there were the best of times, there were the worst of times. The worst of times because we went through uh, a lot of pain uh, through a global pandemic, uh, but there have been federal funds and now state funds that will help cities like Tucson, Arizona, um, really uh, uh, partner and seek those federal funds to take action on such an incredible and important um, issue. It, and cities throughout the country, uh, like I said, can and should lead. On, on climate action and resilience. In terms of transportation, the city of Tucson has received $48.9 million from the Federal Transit Administration uh, to change our fleet. Like I said, Tucson has the largest electric bus fleet in the entire Southwestern United States. Um, being able to eliminate those greenhouse gases uh, is a long-term approach. Uh, to uh, to climate change. And so uh, being able to have those available funds uh, has been a game changer and transformative for our city. Have you run into any criticism, I mean, from members of the city, from people at the state level who are saying, you know, 
you're focusing too much on climate change when you need to focus on maybe things like homelessness or stuff like that? Well, you know, serving as um, as mayor for the last three and a half years, and I served as a council member for Tucson for 12 years, um, I understand that uh, public policy is uh, is not a one and done, right? It, it is complex and um, believe it or not, I have the mental capacity uh, to be able to focus on many issues uh, that affect uh, the city of Tucson. And so as we work um, and focus on climate action and adaptation and climate resiliency, we have been equally effective on uh, being able to focus on affordable the affordable housing crisis and unsheltered homelessness, which is an issue in both of them, affordable housing and unsheltered homelessness uh, and infrastructure investment um, are issues that have been uh, ignored really by, by our society for decades. And because of a global pandemic, they were highlighted and exacerbated. And so mayors throughout the country have had to walk in the last three and a half years into trying to solve societal issues that have existed way before we were elected. And so we, again, thanks to federal funds, American Rescue Plan Act money, uh, the city of Tucson created the Housing First program, which is an evidence-based program that houses individuals first and wraps around the services that they need in order um, to get healthier. You know, and, and you cannot ask a person to stop doing drugs if they don't have a stable home, a place where they can sleep safely. Uh, where they can shower, where they can eat. So we're using our evidence-based housing first program. And thanks to American Rescue Plan dollars, we spent $15 million uh, of those funds to purchase uh, vacant and neglected hotels um, and use them as a housing first, uh, transitional housing, low barrier shelter. Uh, since we instituted this program, we have been able to permanently house in the last 20 months, we have been able to permanently house more than 700 individuals. Once we stabilize that individual, then we send them to the housing continuum, right? So it's, it's immediate housing first opportunities um, and then transitional housing and then permanent housing. And so, um, that's in Housing First. We've been able to also be very successful in applying for and bringing federal funds for infrastructure investments uh, here in the city of Tucson. Uh, one of the things that we hear a lot is, is roads. Um, we have seen decaying roads in the last 20 years, and so we recently passed with the support of uh, the community, Tucsonans, uh, a half-cent sales tax to repair every single residential road in uh, the city of Tucson, $600 million, and we're creating roads uh, not just for vehicles. We're 
creating complete streets where $150 million of, of those funds are going to create more infrastructure for pedestrians, transit, and bicyclists. Uh, that again is is a, our approach to layer um, our strategy of climate resiliency and investment for our community. There's so many overlapping issues, and obviously, you know, people who are unhoused are more at risk of climate-related risks as well. So, it, it really is a, is a complex issue. I want to take a little bit of time to go to an audience question. Um, we have a question from Hillary Varnador from Arizona, who says, monsoons knocked out power in parts of Tucson and Pima County this month. How is the city collaborating with the state and utilities to make our grid more resilient to storms and prepare residents for the impacts of future weather events? Wonderful question. We have uh, we have drought. We have we're living through a drought in the southwest more than 22 years, but we have torrential monsoons. And um, as a as a native Sonoran desert dweller, my family has lived in the Sonoran desert either on the Mexican side or the Arizona side for for seven generations with my children. Uh, we prepare for the monsoons. People are most people are educated in terms of uh, how to deal with the monsoons. Um, here in Tucson, what we are doing is that we created a green infrastructure program. It's it's called Storm to Shade, where we're building green water harvesting and stormwater harvesting infrastructure uh, to try to um, deviate um, stormwater into uh, planting trees and watering those trees with uh, stormwater in the city of Tucson. For many years, we created a conservation program in the uh, Tucson Water Department where the more water you use, the more you pay into our conservation fund. Um, and we have incentives for water harvesting in residential homes. Um, and uh, those methods uh, of diverting stormwater are important for the city of Tucson. With Tucson Electric Power, which is the company that provides um, electric utility here in, in, in our region, is that they're trying to create a more resilient system to make sure, and they're investing money into this, uh, to make sure that we don't have outages and that uh, less and less people have to suffer through uh, through the, those torrential monsoon storms um, and being cut off from from utility. You know, in the East Coast, uh, people feel as though um, AC air conditioning is a luxury. Uh, here in the Southwest, AC is a necessity, and so being able to protect people. Um, uh, from from their you know being able to have that electric um, utility be able to deliver their AC is so important, and part of the resilience hubs that we're planning in terms of heat resiliency is to be able to provide those emergency situations if electricity is cut off 
I believe that most recently 1,500 homes were cut off because of the monsoons. To be able to have those resilience hubs be a place of refuge for people uh, that need uh, to be in a cool place with water and food in uh, a place for their children and their seniors and themselves uh, to come in case of an emergency. Absolutely. It's so important to have those places for when we are facing those really dangerous um, weather events. We have about a minute or two left, and I want to just pivot and ask you a, a little bit of a different type of question. You know, recently you spoke out about the Supreme Court's decision on affirmative action. And to my understanding, you are the first in your family to graduate from college, the first woman mayor of Tucson, the first Latina mayor of Tucson. I mean, what, how has education provided the opportunity for those firsts? Well, I'm the proud daughter of immigrants. I uh, was born in Yuma, raised in Summerton, Arizona, 10 minutes from the border in the Yuma Valley. And our family worked in the fields. My, uh, my, both my parents did, we did uh, growing up. I'm the sixth and the youngest of six. Um, in an immigrant uh, family. And my parents didn't really know much about how to get to college, but they knew and they encouraged their kids to go to college, to get an education. And so um, I had to rely on counselors and teachers to help me through the entire process. Uh, and uh, was accepted at the University of Arizona and accepted at ASU. And I started my college career with a deficiency. And so the deficit, deficit, deficiency was in, in, in math and English. And so being able to have the opportunity uh, for the University of Arizona to give me the chance to even though I wasn't completely prepared as a college student, uh, I had the grades uh, and the will to be able to uh, to go to college, go to the University of Arizona, and it took uh, uh, many years for me to graduate. Uh, but still, in 2001, I became the first in my family to graduate from college, not the last. Uh, but certainly the first, and I had to go through a lot of barriers uh, to get there and uh, to remove the opportunity for students like me that are first uh, generation college bound is uh, is short-sighted because the, educa the education that I received from both Pima College and the University of Arizona changed my economic future for the better. It's adding to the economy of our state and our country, being able to offer opportunities to students like me um, to uh, change their lives for the better. And so it is short-sighted and it is proof, I am proof that we still need these programs to be able to help break barriers. In 2019, I became the first woman and first Latina ever in the history of the city of Tucson, 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not 1950s. That is very recent history. And so we need to make sure that we continue um, to invest in breaking down the barriers um, uh, of families like mine to be able to send their kids to college and offer a better, better life for them 
and a better economy uh, for our country. Thanks so much for sharing your experience and, and sharing that story. Unfortunately, we're out of time here. So Mayor Romero, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a wonderful conversation and, and more, more to do and more to come. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.